0: Welcome back, everybody, once again, to Tips from the Server Room. This is episode number 101, 101, for November the 24th, 2015. I'm your host, Jack, and I'm going to help guide you through this magical world of connectivity, networking, servers, from anything from Linux. Uh, we've done a little bit of Linux, not a whole lot. Uh, Linux servers, Windows servers, uh, Mac servers, and, uh, you know, getting those users the 99 Point nine percent uptime that they want and deserve. You've tuned into the right place, folks. I'm your, like I said, I'm your host Jack, and I'm going to help guide you to that uh, special place. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Check out all the great tech shows at techpodcast.com. Don't forget, you can also pick us up on Stitcher.com. That's S T I T C H E R.com where you can pick up this show as, as well as many other genres. There's so many genres of uh, podcasts out there, and folks, I listen to a lot of them. I have to admit, um, I love riding in the, in the car and the truck and Bluetoothing my phone in and picking up on the podcast and just uh, kind of chilling out when you drive and just kind of tune into some great, great shows. So catch those on Stitcher.com. If you get a chance, check out my website at tipsfromtheserverroom.com. It is that time of year when I know you're buying from Amazon. I know you're picking up great, great Christmas presents for people. And why not use my link? If you go to tipsfromtheserverroom.com, there's a link on the uh, homepage that says Amazon. If you click that, every time you buy from Amazon, a little bit comes back to the show to help us out here, to support the show, to buy things like microphones, mixers, <laughs> Audio gear, new computers to stream these shows to you. All kind of great gear. We'd like to uh, use that money for, and it does come in very, very handy. So check it out at com. Don't forget, you can leave me a voice message at seven two four seven zero one zero five five zero. That's seven two four seven zero one zero five five zero. And definitely uh, call that number, leave me a voice message, let me hear your questions uh, and your thoughts, and uh, I have a voice message coming up for you tonight, actually. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, I would love to hear from you. I mean, absolutely, why not? Call the show, I mean, email the show, and you can email me at jackstechcorner at gmail.com. That's jackstechcorner at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. So... On Twitter, just search for Technoman, T-E-C-H-N-O-M-A-N. Follow me on Twitter, and um, I don't post a lot, so you won't, you know, get overabundancy of posts from me, but I do occasionally like to post on there, so check that out. Tonight we're going to start the show off, as I said, with a voicemail, and this voicemail is uh, from a friend of mine who I was interviewed for their show a while back, and uh, he is from the Geeksters, and his name is Martin, and I'm going to let you hear this voicemail now, so let's go ahead and, and roll that. Martin bando with the Geeksters. want to just uh, congratulate you on almost 100 shows. I just listened to show 99, so you're getting there almost at 100. I'm way to go. Uh, also just want to thank you for your show. Um, at times when I think, ah, I know what he's going to talk about, and I go ahead and listen anyways, I learn so much. So thank you. Keep up the good work. Um, can't wait to hear show 100 and then uh, 101, 102, 103, 104, and so on. All right, Jack. Have a great day. Keep up the good work. Bye. Hey, thanks, Martin, very much for that. Um, And I must say, you know, I like how Martin leads you on, right? He wants to lead me on and do show number 101, 102, 103, 104, and so forth. And I hope that does happen. I mean, I've been doing these shows, well, for quite a while. You look back 101 weeks. I took a few weeks off. There's certain things I do on Tuesday nights every now and then. So something comes up and you can't do a show, you know, and I feel bad because I know you folks out there. I know you want to. Uh, I know you want to. You know, have the show available to listen to it in the car on the way to work, or you want to catch it now on YouTube. So it's just one of those things. It's nice uh, for it to be there, and you know, I try my very best to put it out there. But sometimes it just doesn't work out. Uh, but I do. You know, most of the time, have a show for you. So we're going to go into a couple responses here tonight. And another way that you can respond to these shows, uh, especially now that I'm posting these on YouTube, is very easily go to YouTube and leave a comment. Try to keep them nice. I get very disappointed with the thumbs down. I think that's very rude of people to do that. You know, if you look at a YouTube video and you don't like it, go to the next YouTube video. You know, don't give it a thumbs down. All you're doing is saying, you know... um, I don't like something, and we can't investigate that. We don't know who's giving us a thumbs down. We don't know why you gave us a thumbs down. You know, post a little comment, Um, and I always try to post positive comments. I don't like to post negative comments. I don't like negativity at all. Uh, People work, like me, I work very hard to produce a show for you. I mean, I am the producer, the writer, uh, the cameraman, the videographer, the editor. I do all that and as well as many of the other people do out there that put these shows out on YouTube. So be kind to them, and uh, if you don't like it, just move on. It's very easy. But this is from, I believe his name is Dreg. It's D-E-R-G, and uh, it's Dreg Enterprises. I'll give him a little plug here on the show, since he was nice enough to comment back. And if you're ever having dealings with Dreg Enterprises, by all means check him out. He seems to know exactly what he's talking about. So he responded to show number 100. Show number 100, we were talking, I believe, about VLANing. Uh, setting up our networks the proper way with uh, switches and, you know, uh, I'm worried about security. So this is the uh, first comment that I got. It was, um, let's see, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and start. Just I'm going to read off the top. Great show. I say the following is not in offense. Man, I don't want to take offense if you're giving me some some ideas. Because some, I told you before, I can't know everything. Uh, as well as anybody in this business, we don't know everything. So we are going to uh, very easily talk a little bit about what he had to say. But in clarification, number one, BPDU guard should be enabled to all access ports. Number two, using the Cisco three-tier network model is a great design. Number three, all switches should be configured with PVST plus unless there is a specific design requirement against it. Number four, position poison, poison reverse should prevent broadcast storms. If you remember the last show, I told you that occasionally we do get a broadcast storm uh, from somebody crossing a network, crossing a line or something on the network, and then we get this broadcast packet storm. So he's telling you that Poison Reverse should eliminate that if your switches support it. Uh, there's also an option called Storm Control, which will minimize broadcast storms. And, Drake, thank you so much for this. Uh, I truly appreciate this. I went to all of our switches, and I had to turn it turn on on half, but on the other half... When I configured them, I must not have turned it on. So thanks for giving me that little kickstart I needed. I think that was a big bonus uh, on our part uh, for you helping us out. And, and that's why I do these shows, because it's kind of a paying back to me to help me out. Uh, so I did turn it on, and uh, hopefully that's going to control that issue. Number six, hubs are still used in some FC sands due to cost. Um, and due to cost, I'm not that smart. I'm still studying. Okay, <laughs> Due to cost. And he he goes on to say, hey, I'm not that smart. I'm still studying for my CCNP, R, and S. Well, that's good. And I'm glad you're still studying for that. I mean, it's always great to get those certifications out there. Uh, There's nothing ever wrong with it. Um, Let's see here. Where are we? There is a second part to this. And I'm going to read this part also. It's also from the same user. Uh, Thanks, number four, Revision. Rapid PVST Plus, um, and uh, go on to 7, so he posted another comment here, I completely forgot about port security. With your situation, I would consider port security limited to only one MAC address, or two if trunked with a VoIP phone, and log only, don't shut down. Educating users the dangers that happen with non approved network devices. That could be a show in itself. And we've talked. I think we're going to do an actual recording together. Uh, we're going to play do a Skype call, and I'll record that, and then I'll bring it to you folks on the show here. We're going to uh, play it for the show. Uh, I'm sure a lot of this is already, you already have in your mind, but your listeners may not. And you truly might not. You might not have all this under, you know, in your mind thinking about this. Um, we have thought about Mac limiting, uh, certain ports to certain Mac addresses, but our problem is, is in education, you're so vast, and we also have a BYOD policy, and it's called a bring your own device policy. So we have students bringing in stuff like their iPhones, their, uh, laptops, tablets, Kindle devices. We want them to be able to have wireless access uh, to the network so they can get on the internet, do what they need to do. If we limit it by a MAC address, and we talked about it, we would have to have a way to capture all of those MAC addresses and bring all those back into us, so we can actually um, record all those MAC addresses in. We thought about doing a Google form uh, where the student can fill it out and tell us what their MAC address is. Uh, we also have some great student texts. We thought about having the student text capture those MAC addresses uh, at our uh, Tech Genius bar uh, that we are uh, currently still working to set up, but. Uh, that's just another way because sometimes students won't know what a Mac address is or even how to find it on their device. But our student techs will, and they can definitely help them out with that. So that's some thoughts that we've been having uh, about reserving uh, certain devices on the network. And I think that's a great idea because then we know what's on the network, and you know you don't get any of those surprises you know, at all happening there. So uh, great stuff, and I do appreciate it. Thanks for the great comment. And as I said, I will be getting in touch with you uh, I think it's Dreg or Dreg. It's D E R G. So there it is. So however you pronounce that, um, you know, uh, sounds like Greg, but it looks like Dreg. So there you go. Uh, but I will be calling uh, this this uh, gentleman here. We we talked a little bit. We are gonna, like to do a Skype call. We're gonna do a little recording, and uh, hopefully we'll get some video with that if he's up to doing a little bit of a video cam there. We can uh, video it, and then I can play it during the show. Then you'll see it on YouTube actually, uh, also. Okay, so now we're going to go into um, just making sure everything seems to be still streaming, it looks like it's running okay tonight. So now what we're going to go into is we're going to talk about tonight's show, and tonight's show we're talking a little bit about load balancing. I believe we talked about that a while back, Um, but, you know, it's always good to bring stuff back to the forefront and back to the table again to... To re enlighten you, to re enlighten myself and to because this is stuff that myself and my partner work have been talking about, um, being able to load balance not only the network but the servers, just to take that bulk of logins. Now we have seen in, in our education facility, we have seen a sharp decrease in the overall um the overall amount of network logins. And the reason is is because we like many other schools in the area. Uh, Play around the world, has gone to Chromebooks. And these Chromebooks uh, just use the Internet, and they authenticate against the uh, Google server. So we've seen a rapid decrease in our uh, authentication across our domain controllers, which means on the backside of that, which helped us out, is we don't need as much server load balancing. Uh, our DNS server uh, seems to do pretty well on the internal DNS server. We also have an external DNS server. So we don't really need load balancing there. Uh, the DHCP server does take a hit, and I think if I did a load balancing, it might be like a secondary DHCP server, uh, which is something we've considered and talked about and kicked around. So these are just some things that we think about each day. Um, you know, uh, as we're out to lunch, as I'm out to lunch with my uh, partner at work, you know, we talk about this stuff, and we say, what could we do? What could we do to make it better? Uh, what can we do to add some uh, some benefit to the network? And also increase the security, but also still allow easy access for our students and for our users. So these are things that you try to balance together. But we're talking about load balancing tonight. So in computing, I'm going to read you a definition here, because I know how much we love definitions. In computer, load balancing distributes workloads across multiple computing resources, such as computers, a computer cluster, uh, network links. Talked about that central processing units or disk drives. Load balancing aims to optimize. We talked about optimizing resource use, maximizing big one, maximizing throughput, very huge, minimizing response time. Remember, 99.9% uptime, minimizing response time, and avoid overload of any single resource using multiple components. Components using multiple components with load balancing instead of a single component may increase reliability and availability through redundancy. Now, may increase. See, I don't like that load balancing instead of a single component. May I don't believe it may, I believe it will 100%. If you're load balancing, you're 100% increasing the reliability and the availability of your network because you have redundancy. Load balancing uh, usually involves dedicated software or hardware, such as a multi-layer switch. Nice way to do it, multi-layer switches, folks. Quit buying those cheap ones. I've done it, and it will kill you every single time. Uh, If we try to save money on the front end, we're going to lose sleep on the back end. So why bother? Spend the money, uh, get more rest, and be more prepared for the next day. Or a domain system server process, a domain name system server process. So we know our domains, our domain names, our domain servers, we know they take hits with authentications. Um, When we did have, we used to have, wow, we used to probably have about 900 Windows computers throughout throughout the education system, the school system. And we put up a secondary uh, secondary authentication server, secondary domain controller. Uh, I still call it secondary. and now they call it trees and branches and limbs and all this crazy stuff. I'm still old school, folks. You know that. Um, you, you know, I, I told you many times I've been doing this a long time. It's still a backup domain controller to me, any way you look at it. When we did that, we found the overall increase time. The logins were getting to be, uh, you know, a few, like, I don't want to say 10 minutes, but... The logins were becoming longer than they needed to be, okay? So when the logins become longer than they need to be, the end user starts to get a little bit disappointed, starts to get a little bit reluctant to use the computer at all because it takes too long. And we found that most of our users, um, such as in the high school level, most of your users start logging on um, when the school's day starts, say, 745. Uh, In the elementary school, say, maybe it's 845. You start getting that big hit of users. On in-service days, we find everybody starts logging on at the same time. So we found the first, you know, 15, 20, 30 people logged in pretty well. Everything went well and, and was good. But your extra users um, started logging in. And what happened with them is they started having that little bit of wait time. So we put a backup domain controller in. Again, redundancy for reliability and availability. And the, the login times were seconds for everybody. Because when that one server said, hey, uh, server one says, hey, server two, man, I'm taking a load right now. I'm getting crushed. Server two, can you help out? Server two says, absolutely. Let me start taking some of these logins. Bam. It takes these logins and it starts to make your system more reliable and available to your users. That's what you want. Now, load balancing differs from channel bonding. In that load balancing divides traffic between network interfaces. I just said that. Traffic's coming in, authentication, authentication, and it divides it out. Instead of everybody trying to go down the same highway, we made a two-lane road. Two different authentication servers. Okay, Um, now this divides traffic between network interfaces on the network socket, the OSI model layer 4. Basics While channel bonding implies a division of traffic between physical interfaces at a lower level, either per packet OSI model layer 3 or a data link OSI model layer 2 basic with a protocol like shortest path bridging. All right, now one of the most commonly used applications of load balancing is to provide a single internet service. for multiple servers, sometimes known as a server farm. If you use one on one internet services, if you use GoDaddy, uh, if you use any of the big names, Amazon is now hosting web pages and doing uh, storage and backups. Those are what's known as server farms. Uh, multiple internet connections to multiple servers, balancing out the overall load. Very, very um, easy to set up. Uh, it's you know, but in offices, in businesses. Not To me, not, not the number one priority that I would have uh, because all of our servers are serving internal connections, not external connections. Uh, but we still basically have a server farm. Uh, think of it this way. Anytime we were looking at our servers today and going over the total network connections, and I had um, one young gentleman say, I didn't know there was multiple network connections in that server. And I said, sure there is. Uh, some of our servers have six uh, NICs or six internal network cards. Some of our servers have 12. The reason that is, is every time you set up a virtual machine, you can give each virtual machine its own actual hardware network card. Uh, It's a lot better way to do it, not to say that you can't set up VMware. And um, and if you take my class on VMware ESXi 5.5, I explained it in there where you can set up multiple virtual machines on one network card, but now you're popping that traffic through something that's crisscrossing in there. It works really well. I don't know how it works, but I would say that we need to. um, We need to actually be able to, and I'm just seeing here if uh, everything still looks pretty kosher. We need to be able to um, have each uh, virtual server on its own NIC because then everything's nice and streamlined. So that's kind of what they're talking about here. Now, commonly, load-balanced systems include popular websites. Websites, wow, they're load-balanced, right? Tips in the server room, I have that load-balanced over seven servers because I get so many hits every day of the week. Okay, I'm lying to you. Uh, uh, My servers are actually virtual or uh, hosted services or hosted servers, and they're actually residing on one in com. That's where they're uh, hosted, so... They may load balance I don't know. But I don't get millions of hits, unfortunately. Uh, large internet relay chat networks. Well, internet relay chat. People believe that internet relay chat is gone. And internet relay chat, as it was when um, when I first started my internet business, there was an IRC client. You may remember them if you're old school. And if you're new school, you probably don't remember those. But any kind of chat client, I mean, FaceTime, um, uh, Microsoft Chat, All these different things still rely on internet relay chat on the back end. It's just prettier interfaces and prettier names. So they just give them different ways or abilities to chat to each other. And I would almost believe that text messaging is almost a form of IRC. There's some form in there that it's using that same kind of back end to do text messaging. Um, They require high bandwidth file transfer protocol sites. And this is an old one. Network news transfer protocol, NNTP servers. Anybody remember the news servers? Um, They were, you know, you got news feeds and you had to download those. Um, We used to find different, uh, you would find videos across there. You would find uh, movies. You would find software in the early days where you would pick out uh, six or seven different news feeds. And to me, that was the early days of BitTorrent. That was kind of where BitTorrent came from. Because BitTorrent now, you're getting pieces from all over, and you're recombining those pieces into the software package. That's what Newsfeed used to do. That was really cool back then, how that works. So this is a little bit dated, I think. Uh, and domain name services, as I said, we still use those today, DNS servers and databases. Databases are huge for load balancing, because if you have a, a, an SQL database or a MySQL, if you're using the uh, the open source package, either one of those... Are extremely useful and they take an extreme amount of abuse every day uh, depending on how many users you have hitting your database so if you can load balance that then that's always a good thing to be able to do now for internet services the load balancer is usually a software program that is listening on the port where external clients connect to access services so This would be something like if you have a web service. And we know most applications are going web-based. And I wish I would have known that when I owned my internet business because I would have never sold. I probably would have been a billionaire by now and uh, may not be doing the show, though. So, no, we'll scratch that because this is great to do these shows with you. But um, it looks at the back end of that internet connection and it's looking for connections coming in to your web applications. So that's what that's talking about. The load balancer forwards requests to one of the back end servers. Which usually replies to the load balancer. This allows the load balancer, which is software now running on your server, to reply to the client without the client ever knowing about the internal separation or functions. It also prevents clients from contacting backend servers directly, which may have security benefits by hiding the structure of the internal network and preventing attacks on the kernel network stack or unrelated services running on other ports. Some load balancers provide a mechanism for doing something special in the event that the backend servers are unavailable. This might include forwarding to a backup load balancer or displaying a message regarding an outage. It is also important that a load balancer itself does not become a single point of failure. Usually load balancers are... um, independent, and in high availability pairs, which may also replicate sessions persistence data if required for a specific application. Now, wow, that was a whole lot of talking, huh? Basically, all it's telling you here is, one, uh, if you have a big server farm set up, if you have a big database set up, um, don't trust one load balancer to do everything. And we see this in uh, in, uh, network-attached storage drives. Uh, when they have two different backplanes, I know ours has that. The one backplane is sending data along and channeling data through your, how many drives? I think our our disk array has 22 disks. 22? I think that's right. Um, so it channels those through the backplane. Now, if that backplane becomes unavailable for any reason, the other backplane that has a separate network connection to it will pick up and keep that data traveling. So as long as the hard drives are spinning, the data is moving. I know that for sure. And that would be a t- a a type of load balancing um, because I'm providing high availability and high reliability so that's the that's the ticket there okay there's one more thing we want to talk about here let me see I think it's one anyway uh, for tonight's show Uh, something I found interesting was round robin DNS and we've heard of this if you set up a DNS server at any time and I've set up a lot of DNS servers. Uh, you know, you set up a, a forwarding uh, address, you set up your reverse addresses, Well, you can also set up something called a round-robin DNS. Let's talk about that. On a, an alternative method of load balancing, so this is something a little different, which does not necessarily require dedicated software or a hardware node. It's called round-robin DNS. In this technique, multiple IP addresses are associated with a single domain name. Uh, If you use Google Apps, (laughs) get ready for a large setup. When I did our DNS servers for Google Apps, it took me almost an hour to type in all of the DNS names that is associated with Google Apps. Because um, we can never provide uh, our users or our administration, our clients, our, our CEOs, our workers, whatever you have. We could never, ever provide as many backup systems that Google offers us for free. For education, it's absolutely free. So if you're an educator and you're not using this, there's something not quite right in your noggin. Just saying. Now, but they have used up so many of these, and that's a round-robin. That's what this is doing. It's round robin the DNS because it's taking our domain and saying, hey, if this isn't available, go there. If that's not available, go there. If that's not available, go there. And it's going around. It's going around wherever you need it to go. So it's round robin So... This is where you take multiple IP addresses and associate them with a single domain name, okay? So tipsonserver.com I'm going to multiple, I'm going to have multiple uh, IP addresses to multiple servers and the same domain name, but it's going to go round robin, if one don't work, the other one will go on. Clients are expected to choose which server to connect to. Unlike the use of a dedicated load balancer, this technique imposes to clients the existence of multiple back-end servers the technique with other advantages and disadvantages depending on the degree of control over the DNS server and the granularity of load balancing is desired. Another more effective technique of load balancing using DNS is a, a delegate www.example.org as a subdomain um, whose zone is served by each of the same servers that the server, the website, the technique works particularly well where individual servers are spread geographically on the internet, for example. And it gives you a little example. Here's, here's two different a records. Now what they did is they have two different subdomains I call them. Uh, one is called one.example.org O-N-E has an a record. We know an A record is the pointer record. It's pointing at to an IP address or to a server. 192.0.2.1. Then they have the second one, which is two, 2, period, or dot, example.org. has an A record of 203.0.113.2. Two different totally IP structures automatically, when I'm reading this, tells me there is a server located in, let's say, Texas, and there's a server located in Maine. Why do you want that? Folks, the Internet was created... And we don't need to get in a history lesson here. And I can do that one night if you wish me to, because I've studied this stuff pretty uh, pretty in depth. But the Internet was created way back during uh, World War One, And the reason it was created was, I mean, it was invented before then, but it was actually put into use by the U.S. government because they were afraid of a nuclear explosion. The Internet has point-to-point-to-point, multiple-point, cross-points, and checkpoints to make ...a connection to make a connection on the internet. If a router finds one one route that's down, it will get rerouted to another route. And it will get rerouted again. So the idea was, you know, you can blow up our phone systems, you can take those out, but you can never take down the internet. Now, have I seen it recently? We've lost parts of the internet. We've lost the East Coast before where I live. We've lost the West Coast sites before where you would be on the East Coast and you couldn't contact the West Coast sites... But the Internet in a whole will still communicate one way or the other. It will find its way around those routers. It's a very smart thing. It's almost a living, breathing human thing if you think about it. Um, if you ever watch, and my wife really hated this show too, um, um, The Matrix. So if you ever watch The Matrix and you see them sitting there looking at that data going across there, and they go into The Matrix, well, that's kind of, it's a living, breathing thing. You can think of it that way. Can you go into it? No, you can't that's very sci-fi but um, the idea here is if texas is not available then my website's going to come up in maine it's just it's going to work so there're different geographical areas for a reason then it also has name servers and what they did was they did the name servers are the same check this out how this works www.example.org has an nx record ns name server record to 1.example.org but check this out www.example.org has a name server of 2.example.org so both of those subdomains are going back to the actual www the actual domain name however the zone file for the www.example.org on each server is different such as that each server resolves its own IP address as the A record and on server 1 the zone file is www.org reports 2 remember we said 192.0.2.1 and server 2 if you go there if one is not available then you go to 203.0.113.2 This way when ser- when a server is down its DNS will not respond and the web server does not receive any traffic If the line to one server is congested The unreliability of the DNS ensures less HTTP traffic reaches that server. Furthermore, the quickest DNS response to resolve is nearly always the one from the networks closer to the server. That makes sense. Ensuring geosensitive load balancing. A short TTL, if you don't know what TTL is, we can talk about that. Maybe it wouldn't be a whole show. It's time to live. How long is that signal going to live before the before the server goes? Okay, one, two, three. That's enough. Forget it. That's your time to live. Your TTL on the A record helps to ensure traffic is quickly diverted when the server goes down. So as soon as it says one, two, three, I don't have it go, and it sends it on its way. That way, your your user sitting looking at that web page just got like, come on, where's the? And you get that little spinning thing on there, and no, it's gone immediately. So you may want to set your TTL lower, one, two, whatever. Okay consideration must be given the possibility that this technique may cause individual clients to switch between uh, individual sessions in individual servers in mid-session because if one has to like I said too long time to live they may switch to your other server so that's kind of where we're at there so that is about it for tonight I think on load balancing I think we covered everything we need to talk about tonight so folks I hope you've enjoyed this session of Tips from the server room, as I said, you know, I've been here a long time with you. I've been uh, giving you as much information I can share with you, but get those voicemails in that's that's huge. uh we talked about that today at work and and my buddy says, well, that would definitely help the show out to get voicemails, and it does it it gives me something to respond to <clears throat> gives me something to play in between like I'm talking i'm trying to trying to stay alert and alive here with you and trying to keep talking through the whole you know forty minutes or so of the show and folks, remember, I told you earlier about that Amazon link. Well, please use it. Uh, this time of year, you're buying presents anyway for everybody, so please use that. Uh, you can check that out. Go to tipsintheserverroom.com. Click on the Amazon link. Make sure you deactivate your ad blocker. Very important. If you have an ad blocker running, deactivate it. Use that link and then make your purchases. doesn't cost you anything more. And folks, if you want to learn more about Windows Server 2008, I know you do. Windows Server 2012 or VMware ESXi Server from install to administration. Please sign up for one of my courses today at TipsFromTheServerRoom.com. Look at the online link, online class link at the top of the page. Click on that. Take the take the course, folks. I mean, they're self-paced. Watch a little video. Take a couple question quiz, and you move on. Once you finish, I will mail you a certificate in the mail, and I'm definitely be happy to do that. And um, we've had thousands, uh, not thousands. Um, Probably, to be exact, well, maybe a 1,000 people so far. Taking the course, um, they've all been extremely pleased. I've had one gentleman take all three of the courses. Uh, He said he was so happy with the Windows Server 2008 course that he jumped up. He took the 2012. Then he figured he wanted to virtualize, so he took the ESXi course and uh, learned how to do that. So, hey, he earned the three certificates. He said it helped him in his job It moved him up a little bit in his job classification where he works, so that's a good thing. You can't ever knock a little bit of continuing education uh the courses are very inexpensive i can tell you off the bat you don't have to go searching for it and say wow i wonder how much it is and sign up and say i can't buy this it's 250 dollars it makes a great christmas gift if you know somebody uh and you're watching this say hey i know somebody in our office that would really benefit from this maybe buy it for them for christmas you know we can figure out some kind of gift certificate to give them so they can get logged in uh, uh, christmas day so all right folks again thank you so much for watching i do appreciate you being here and I also appreciate you listening. I appreciate you subscribing to the, uh, to the podcast and, and downloading those each and every week. Uh, once again, thanks to my friend Martin for the little shout out there. I do appreciate that. And my friend, I hope that we go to um, a million and one shows. So take care, everybody. I'll talk to you next time. Uh, this is Jack from Tips from the Serve Room. Bye for now.